The New Testament reading is the story of the first Pentecost day in Acts 2. With today, we are beginning a sermon series that will kind of wind through the spring and summer on new. The Bible has all sorts of new things, new voice, new name, new commandment. We're going to be exploring these together today, taking our cue from Psalm 40. On this day of Pentecost, it's new song. Listen for God's word. When the day of Pentecost had come and they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia? Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks be to God. There is no denying the power of song. Music has a way of capturing our memory and our energy. Songs can create unlikely connections. It doesn't take much for a song to resurface in our lives again. When you hear this, You don't need prompting when you hear that. You don't need a bullet and you don't need words on a screen to sing Amazing Grace. Or this. You don't need to see an Advent wreath. You know it's joy to the world. The power of song isn't limited to church. How about this? Take me out to the ball game. 
Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever... You're not asleep. Way to go. That's good. You're, you're on it. A month ago, I was in the car, and a song came on that begins a long, long time ago. It was a number one song a very long time ago, back when I was in middle school, in fact. It holds the distinction of being the longest song at eight and a half minutes ever to top the Billboard charts. I was surprised to find that instantly I was singing along to this 40-plus-year-old song. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, this'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. At 8.30, uh, they, more of them sang to that than even began singing to Amazing Grace. I don't know what that says. <laughs> I don't know what that says about them. Uh, it's one thing to fondly remember Billboard hits, to sing them in your car while you're running. Then there's the opportunity to, dab deep, to tap deep into the roots of the songs of our faith when we need them most in our lives. These songs of faith have a power to lead us to praise God, even in the most difficult situations. And being able to utter those, uh, those praises somehow both changes things and changes us. There are songs that led our country to resist injustice, lift every voice and sing, we shall not be moved, and this. We shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday, oh deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. That's just not memorizing a favorite song. It's so much more than that. These very words lead us right to God's bedrock promises when we need them most. In our technologically advanced, enlightened, connected but isolated world, a simple truth needs to be said. God calls us back to life through the songs of our faith. In her book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamont tells of her restless years of struggling, even as she found a hope, home in a small Christian church. A key turning point takes place when she visits a flea market in Sausalito. Lamont writes, if I happened to be there between 11 and 1 on Sundays, I could hear gospel music coming from a church right across the street. It was called St. Andrew Presbyterian. It looked uh, homely and impoverished, a ramshackle building with a cross on top, sitting on a small parcel of land with a few skinny pine trees. But the music wafting out was so pretty that I'd stop and I'd listen. I knew a lot of 
hymns from the times I went to church with my grandparents and from the albums we'd had of spirituals. Finally, I began stopping in at St. Andrew from time to time, standing in the doorway to listen to the songs. I couldn't believe how run down it was. The linoleum was brown and there were over shiny kind of plastic stained glass windows. But it had a choir of five black women and one rather Amish looking man making all this glorious noise. And a congregation of about 30 people or so radiating warmth and kindness. During the time when people hugged and greeted each other, various people would come back to where I stood and shake my hand or try to hug me. I was as frozen and stiff as Richard Nixon. After this, the minister would preach, and it would be enough to send me running back to the sanctuary of the flea market. I went back to St. Andrew about once a month. No one tried to con me into sitting down or staying I always left before the sermon. I love singing, even about Jesus, but I didn't want to be preached at about him. Something inside me that was stiff and rotting would feel soft and tender. Somehow the singing wore down the distinctions that kept me isolated. Sitting there, standing with them to sing, sometimes so shaky and sick that I felt like I might tip over. I felt bigger than myself, like I was being taken care of, tricked into coming back to life. Songs of faith have the power to move us and restore us, and these songs teach us our faith. These songs are essential instruction about how to follow Jesus. Our lives are so often murky and filled with challenges. Somehow as we sing our faith, God's promises become true again. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul. My Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. So what happened at Pentecost? On a day not long after Easter, with the fearful and the faithful and the trying to be faithful followers of Jesus all gathered together, they were completely disarmed and taken by surprise by the gift of God's powerful enlivening spirit, a spirit and an event that they did not choose, did not plan, and could not have expected. People began, began acting so strangely they thought they were drunk. Dozens of different languages were spoken, and everyone heard and understood everything. So what happened at Pentecost? We can clearly see that Pentecost was God's unruly disruption of seemingly orderly lives. And yet, somehow Pentecost was so much more than just disruption. The chaos of Pentecost drove everyone who was there deeper with God. There's a reason that 
Pentecost is displayed as wind and fire, two unruly, untamable, dangerous, but life-giving elements. We don't know what exactly happened at Pentecost. What we do know is that this fearful, anxious group of disciples were fundamentally different, bold, courageous, risk-taking after Pentecost in a way they never were before. Today, our culture in almost every corner just begs us to stay on the surface of things. Today, we're all encouraged to all listen to our own music and our own individual earphones. Pentecost brought everyone together and drove everyone deeper. Rather than us all singing blithely to our own songs and our own individual sound bubble, what if God's unruly disruption of Pentecost began by bringing us together? In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all in this world, just give me Jesus. Pentecost was a miracle. It was a miracle of both speaking and hearing. It was a miracle. People began to do together what they could not or would not have done on their own. Pentecost did not obliterate individuality, individual gifts, experiences, insights, paths. But God's Spirit at Pentecost took this collection of tired, scared, scattered, distracted individuals and made them a community and made them bold and hopeful and courageous and full of life. That's what happened at Pentecost. Richard Rohr has said every sacrament Every Bible, every church service, every song, every bit of priesthood or ceremony or liturgy is, as far as I'm concerned, for one purpose, to allow you to experience your true self, who you are to God and who God is to you. Only healthy religion is prepared to move you beyond the merely psychological self to the cosmic, to the universal, to the absolute. Only great religion is prepared to realign reheal, reconnect, and reposition you inside the family of things, as Mary Oliver has said. When I am alone When I am alone Oh, when I am alone Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. 
us You can have all of this world Just give me Jesus The day of Pentecost was the day that God gave the Holy Spirit to the church. This was not a new spirit invented for the occasion. This was the spirit of the risen Christ who promised to never, ever, ever leave the people of God. Pentecost is the miracle of belonging. Being given that feeling of belonging, they were able to conquer their fears and move out into the world in love and service. At Pentecost, the people of God fell in love with the sound of God. Did each person at Pentecost simply hear their own language spoken? Or perhaps did they hear their own song in their own genre, in their own style, in their own beat? It seems like they did, but it also seems like everyone's individual song became God's communal song. After the death of Maya Angelou two years ago, poet Elizabeth Alexander wrote, I never met Maya Angelou face to face, but I have a story. When I was named President Obama's inaugural poet uh, for the 2009 inauguration, Ms. Angelou called me on the telephone, the second poet to read for a presidential inaugural, calling the fourth, her sense of history and of community fully evident in the gesture. Before she said her name, I recognized her voice, lustrous, deliberate, precise, addiction well known to me from countless elders. Though by her own account she was not a great singer, her voice had a singer's coloration, as well as the captivating, unchaste pace of someone used to commanding attention, a star. She spoke in the rich, chest voice of a grandmother singing a song at bedtime. Did she call me child, Alexander writes? I think she did, but her words drew me close. I was attempting to write the inaugural poem, agonizing, spinning in the thickets of the task at hand. We spoke for a good long while. I don't remember the substance of what she said, only the even reassuring tone of her voice that made the task for the first time seem possible. And then Maya Angelou spoke these words. Honey, if you have a song to sing, who are you not to open your mouth and sing it to the world? When I come to die Oh, when I come to die Oh, when I Come to die, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Can you imagine a world without song? 
I fear I can imagine a world where everyone is simply in their own sound bubble singing their own song. But can you imagine this congregation and every community of faith leading the world in God's song? What if all our songs, all our songs, and those from Bach and Beethoven and Mozart and all those from Billie Holiday and Miles Davis and Frank Sinatra and Nina Simone and Darlene Love and Bruce Springsteen and Jesse Norman and Kiri Takanawa and Prince and Casey Musgraves and U2 and The Beatles and Willie Nelson and Questlove and Lin-Manuel Miranda. What if all those songs were mixed with the songs of our pain and our doubts and the songs of our fears, and the songs of our faithfulness and our hope, and the songs of our psalms. And those were all mixed with the songs of our prayers, and all those were mixed with the song, the harmony, the symphony of hope and life and boldness and courage that God's Spirit gave to us at Pentecost. Can you imagine a world without song? I fear I can imagine a world where we're all just in our own sound bubble singing our own song. Can you imagine the women and men and girls and boys of Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church leading the world in God's song? The Spirit can. God's Holy Spirit can imagine exactly that.